magnify the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The writer said it like this. If we have hope only in this world, then we are of all men most miserable. If this is all there is to life, then I am greatly disappointed. But my hope is not on what I see with the naked eye. Y'all going to make me work tonight. Friend, why am I in the house of God? Because there's going to come a day when I see my Jesus. And it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. So my praise is not based upon where I'm at right now. But my praise is based upon where I'm going. I love you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to loosen up. My goodness. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. You know, what would happen if we worshiped God in our spirit instead of our flesh? For the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. I just feel we could connect with something tonight if we'll reach down inside of who we are. Oh, my God, my God. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, turn with me, please. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse number 17. Give honor to your pastor, also to Brother Edwards. Good to see him. Love Brother Edwards. Preached many revivals there. Bider, Texas. Love he and his wife. Always supportive of me and my family. Now, it's imperative tonight that you remember the dual purpose of the Word of God. Word of God works in two realms. It serves as a source of revelation, whereby God can lead us to new levels. But it also serves as a reminder, because that's how you learn, is through repetition. So if you, if you think tonight that I'm shooting in the dark, and it doesn't apply to you, I want you to say, thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to remind me. And if you think I am talking to you, then say, thank you, Lord, for giving me the revelation to help me grow in you. Either way, it's going to stick to everybody. It'll either be revelation or it'll be a reminder. When I pulled into the parking lot of my hotel, I had every intention today 
of going to labor for the Lord for a little while and try to catch up on my lost hour of sleep. But as soon as my wheels hit the parking lot, the Lord spoke a word to me, and that means no nap for a preacher. So I don't know how far I'll get in this. I've got so much stuff going on. We're just going to walk in it and we'll see. But I know what the Lord is wanting to do tonight in our hearts. Let's read this one verse of Scripture, 1 Peter 4 and 17. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God. For judgment must begin at the house of God. I want to preach tonight on the genesis of judgment. The genesis of judgment. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. You are doing a tremendous work in this church. Every day you're drawing us closer. Every service we're going higher. We're seeing more of you and less of us. Tonight will be no different. I pray for the wisdom to deliver this word according to your perfect will. But Lord, also that you would give us a heart of understanding to obey uh, and respond to the word of Almighty God. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. The genesis of judgment. The timeline of the end time has and will continue to be a very hot topic of debate. I've never been one to preach on the end time. I can preach on the urgency of salvation. But uh, I, I'm not very comfortable preaching on prophecy in the end time. Not because I don't believe it's real, but, 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 but there's so much uh, room for error. I just believe that I can preach the gospel and I can deliver the, the necessity of salvation and you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But there is a timeline. There are some that are pre, there are some that are mid, there are some that are post-trip. I'm pan-trip. I just think it's all going to pan out. I can't change it anyway, okay? You can worry about what you have control over. I don't have control over that. I just want to be ready when it when he comes, amen? There is such an element of the unknown regarding the end time. The rapture of the church will happen. Armageddon will happen. A thousand years of peace will be in place. The enemy will be loose for a season, then cast into hell and the great white throne judgment. We can all agree tonight that what I've stated thus far will happen. I can't tell you when. I can't tell you how it's all going to play out. But I do know this book speaks of it, and it will happen. The fact of judgment cannot be debated. However, judgment will take place in different uh, dimensions. For the unbeliever, judgment is at the end. We understand that every man is going to be judged according to their actions, the great white throne judgment. But for the believer, where does judgment begin? Where is the genesis or the point of beginning of judgment? 
We read it tonight. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. It begins in the presence of God. It begins with the word of God. You see, God judges us through his word, illuminating our areas of concern, our areas in our life that we have to work on. You see, once the church is raptured, okay, you may not going to unmake the rapture once you're raptured out of here you can breathe that sigh of relief god's not going to change his mind throughout the marriage supper of the lamb because you don't like macaroni and cheese i hope there's some macaroni and cheese at the marriage supper of the lamb with some ketchup thank you come on don't sit on me now but god's not going to change his mind once you make it you make While we're on earth, God speaks to us through his word, giving us every chance to judge ourselves according to his word. Why? Because God, who is rich in mercy, will extend that mercy and that grace, giving you every opportunity to see the areas of your uh, 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 of the areas of mistakes in your life so you can correct them and get back in line with his word you see in the word in, in heaven there's going to be the book of life and there's going to be the word of god the book of life indicates those who've made it the book the, the word of god will serve as the standard of measure for all of those who did not make it. It will be which they are judged by the word at the end, whereas we're judged by the word right now in our journey. Is this making sense to anybody? We use this word to judge ourselves and say, you know what, if, I don't, if, if I've got a problem here, I need to change it to match up with the word. And so judgment begins in the presence of God. We can be judged by the word now, or we can be judged by the word later. We can be judged by the word allowing ourselves to see our areas of weakness, or later we can miss heaven and still be judged by the word. I'd rather be judged by the word now and make it to heaven than to be judged by the word later and miss out on eternity with God. So in prayer today, the Lord told me three questions. How can I judge myself? Three questions. The first question that I have to ask myself is, what am I building? Paul said in Galatians 2.18, For if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. Now, the greatest day in the life of a believer is when you experience the power of the Holy Ghost for the first time. And every chain, every vice, everything that has held you back is destroyed by the power of God. And you start with a clean slate. And everything that you had built in your life for the kingdom of darkness or to feed the flesh is destroyed. 
And then you start building things for the kingdom of God. You start building a life. You build on the rock Jesus Christ. And you build a life that is pleasing to God. But Paul said this. Paul said, if I have, after having been delivered by the power of God and given a clean slate and a clean opportunity, if I then start building the very things that God delivered me from, if I start messing with the same junk that God pulled me out of, then I have become a transgressor. I'm going backwards instead of forward. You know, I got a title to match that, Building Life Backwards. I'll preach it later. But God intended for us to build life forward, not build life backwards. When you come to God, the Bible says grow in grace. You go from faith to faith, and you build a life. Every day I'm drawing closer to God. Every day I want to build a life that is pleasing to God. But we've somehow, some way, we've got people who are starting to build the very things that God delivered them from. They're starting to mess with the very things that God broke the chains from. The Bible says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. My friend, it's an indictment against us. If we walk from an altar of deliverance and we go back to the very thing that God delivered us from, the Bible says, neither give place. To the devil. There's many people that their deliverance is not based on God's willingness. Their deliverance is based upon whether or not they'll stop giving the enemy opportunity to work in their own life. He knows the he sees the he sees the areas of weakness. He sees the foothold, and he knows how to get you back. If God delivered you from from drinking, you don't need to go witness at the bar. Let's use a little common sense in it because you're giving place to the devil. You say, well, I'm, I'm strong. I, I, I've been living for God for, for 10, 20 years. My friend, you don't know how strong you are. When you get in a place of vulnerability, you open up the door for the enemy to step in. You've got to ask yourself, what am I building? Am I building the things that God already tore down in my life? Most, this is just Tyler talking which is pretty accurate statistics, but take it for what it's worth. This is my opinion. I promise you, people that lose out with God and go back to the way of the world, it didn't start just automatically, but somewhere they started building the things that God tore down in their life. They started building the things that, that God delivered them from, one little stone at a time, and pretty soon the, 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 what they built uh, that God delivered them from the world was bigger than what they built in the kingdom of God. So you've got to ask yourself, what am I building? Secondly, you've got to ask yourself, what am I sowing? What am I sowing? What am I building? Now, what am I sowing? Now, I love you, okay? Don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to preach a little bit. The Bible says you reap what you sow. It's the law of the harvest. Now, we're pretty good on this we, this sowing business, but a lot of times we sow without thinking of what we're going to have to reap in the future or what our kids are going to have to reap. 
But just as sure as the sun goes up and the sun goes down, you will reap what you sow. I can't tell you how. I can't tell you when. But I do know that the Word of God is true. There, in, in, in this afternoon, the Lord quickened a scripture to my mind, and I wrote it out. Bible says, and I'm going to expound on this, a naughty man, a, a, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken, but watch this, without remedy. Without remedy. Now, I used to always stand and say that God can restore anybody. And I believe there is grace. And I believe there is mercy. But the Bible declares that there is an individual who has frowardness in his mouth. Frowardness, that word literally means perverseness, not pure. Which the mouth is indicative of the heart because what's in the heart comes out the mouth. And this person soweth discord. You know what? That's also called a talebearer. Somebody that just won't leave stuff alone. Somebody that always just has to keep the pot stirred, as they say. You know what? They're, they're sowing discord. And the Bible says God hates discord. Ask, ask Miriam what it's like to have to let God judge you because you murmured. God dealt with that, and the only reason that God, that God stated it was because of a man of God that pled on her behalf. You hear this, preacher. If it weren't for a man of God pleading on behalf of the people, there'd be a whole lot more stuff happening in the, in the church. Now, y'all don't believe me, but you better know that there's a preacher or a pastor that intercedes because mercy. He wants God to extend mercy in your life. Of the Holy Ghost. You've got to ask yourself, what have I been sowing? It's all about judging yourself according to the Word. Is my actions causing discord in the body? Is what I'm doing causing discord? God hates discord. God loves your soul, but He can hate your actions. And, and if, if I don't make it, it's not because God didn't love me. It's because I failed to judge myself according to this book right here. God hates discord. I, what, I want to be, you know what I want to I want to sow good things in the kingdom of God. I want to sow love. I want to sow encouragement. I want to sow prayer. I want, I want to sow favor in the hearts of other people. I don't have to agree with you. It's not about whether or not we agree. The mercy seat had two cherubims. And on each side, those cherubims come up and their wings touched. But they were looking at the mercy seat. And it was God's way of showing us that you can be united without seeing eye to eye. It's not about whether I agree with you. It's about we both agree that Jesus is still the main thing. Paul said it like this, but we see Jesus. You know what? It wouldn't hurt anybody to realign and reexamine what am I looking at. 
I hadn't been to a church yet that I can't pick apart. I can pick apart every church I've ever been to. I can pick apart the decoration. I can pick apart the sand. I can pick apart. I've picked apart microphones before. I've picked apart sound systems. I hadn't been to a church yet where I couldn't find something wrong with it. But it's not about that. It's about, did I see Jesus? Did I get connected with God in a service? You know, there's some of these people, maybe not here, but I've heard of someone. I just didn't get nothing out of that service. You know what I think to myself? That preacher, I try not to rock the boat too much, so I have to check my mouth sometimes. What would you put in that service? If you didn't get nothing out of it, it's probably because your hide didn't put nothing in it. And you watched everybody else get blessed. Honey, you really going to be blessed watching them get taken in the rapture. It's not about what I got out of it. It's about what did I put in it. What did I sow into that service? Did I sow some worship? Did I sow some prayer? What did I sow? What am I sowing? And thirdly, and this is where I've got to stick it and park for a while. The Lord asked me, what am I being? What are you building? What are you sowing? But more importantly, what are you being? And I said, Lord, you're going to have to bring some clarification to this because this doesn't make sense to me. What are you being? And he brought me to 1 Peter 4 and 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busy body in other men's matters. I had to pick myself up off the floor when God told me that. Because we think murder, oh, that's bad. Being a thief, pretty bad. Evil doer. But you know what? In the same category, God put, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now, I believe somewhere in our life that that hit all of us. We all could pick ourselves up off the floor. Because it's so much easier to hide what I'm doing wrong by focusing on what somebody else is doing wrong. It makes me feel better if I can highlight areas of weakness in your life because it covers areas of weakness in my life. When people start trying to highlight and talk about what everybody else is doing wrong, you hear me, they're throwing up a smoke screen because I don't want you to see what I'm doing wrong in my own life. And the more loose that tongue is, the more severe the problem is in their own life. If you're living right, you could just live right. You don't have to throw darts at anybody else. You know what I found in my own life? The less prayerful I am, the more critical I am. Because prayer realigns me and God. And when... When that starts diminishing, I stop looking heavenward, and I start looking around me. And to appease myself and make myself feel better, I have to see what everybody else is doing wrong 
to cover up what I'm doing wrong. That's not because I'm bad or you're bad. That's because we're human. And when Adam was confronted, you know what he did? Look at that woman. What was he doing? He was trying to expose somebody else's wrongdoing to make up for his own. And he wanted to pass the buck because it makes us feel better. But we're, what we're really doing is we become a busybody in other men's matters. What's wrong with just trying to live for God myself? You know what? I've got, I've got six people that I'm accountable for in my own home. That's enough of a job to try to get all of us to heaven. Why do I get bogged down with trying to get trying to figure out what everybody else is doing wrong? Y'all act, y'all looking at me like this is me on the confessional. We all need to get up in the confessional. Because, because the glove fits everybody. The shoe fits every we pass that shoe around, it'll fit everybody. Because we get so worried. Well, look what they're doing. Well, well, what about this? I don't agree with this. You know what? Welcome to life. But that doesn't mean you need to use it get bogged down on that one thing. Honey, forget about that and just live for God. Just live for God. We judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I didn't mean it like that. I don't care how you meant it. This is what you did. But we'll crucify somebody else over their actions. You know, and, and, and I'm going to just take a little liberty here. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But if he got, if, if Pastor got up here with the mic, and it was open mic night, and he got up here and started with one person and went all the way around, and spoke everything that he knew, I promise you, first off, half of you would leave before he got to you. We'd be out the door. But I promise you, it would change your outlook and your mind on everybody in this building. Because we form opinions based upon what we know. And we put people in this category. And we judge them by our knowledge of them. And we do them an injustice. Because we have them pigeonholed as being one thing, and we only know a little sliver of their life. Do you realize that most of these people in this building, you only see each other three times a week, and everything else you form is based upon what they put on their Facebook? Which some people don't use a lot of sense in putting on their Facebook. So your, your opinion of that person is so limited. But because he is a man of God and he's not going to talk about people's business, you're stuck and you think, and this is what that person is, and you do that person an injustice. So you, 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 you talk or you interact. You know, what I've, what I've come to realize is we've learned to tame our tongue, but we fail to control our fingers. But it's the spirit behind it that is the same. You're, it's being a busybody body in other men's matters. What am I being? What am I being? Am I being a child of God that operates in the realm of compassion and mercy and love? Now, I'm telling you, God worked my heart over. I, I had to tap out and say, God, okay, I'm done. I, I get the point. I see it, God, because this is an area in our own life that everybody struggles with. Bible 
talks about, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 17, 18, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. There was, there was a situation in my own life. There was this, this, this gentleman who was not the most ethical in business. Okay, He didn't have a good reputation. He was in the church, or he attended a church. And I knew of so much stuff. And it, it started really bothering me because in my flesh, I wanted, him, I wanted to see him get what he had coming. I mean, I wanted him to, I wanted to see him face the consequences for all the stuff that he did, that he wronged people. And I knew of it. And I was in prayer one day and I said, God, why won't it happen? Why haven't you taken care of this yet? I mean, I was working myself over and the Lord brought me to this verse and he said, because if I did, you'd be happy. He said, if it's going to make you happy that I execute vengeance on him. Scripture says, I'll turn away my wrath from that person because your motives are wrong. How many times God was getting ready to deal with something and he saw one of his own children start gloating in the fact that they was fixing to have to face and pay the piper. And God said, I'm not going to do it. Because it's going to bring happiness to too many people to watch them fall. That's why there are people that haven't yet had to be. There will be a day where their, their actions will catch up for them. There will be a day when, when, when God has to deal with that. I'd rather be one of those people that says, God, you know what? It's not worth me losing my soul over. You take care of that in your own time. I'm just going to focus on living for you. I'm going to focus on my family. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I don't want to be, I don't want to gloat over somebody's misfortune. I don't want to be happy that somebody had to God executed vengeance on that I don't want to gloat in their misfortune. I want to have the love of Jesus Christ. I want to have the love of a Savior that looks at people and says, God, have mercy on those people. They have a family. They have children. I don't, I don't want to delight in what somebody else has coming to them. I don't want to delight that. You see, I want to be that person. I want to be. I want to be a child of God. I want to be one that loves. The Bible says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be ye steadfast. Pastor, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here on Sunday. I'm going to be here on Wednesday. I'm going to be here on Saturday night prayer. I'm going to be here on on any other thing. I want to be steadfast. I want to be steadfast. I don't want to allow my feelings to dictate my future. Because if you live for God based on feelings, just get ready. It's going to be a bumpy ride. I've been hurt more by church people than anybody in the world. Church people are some of the most difficult people I've ever had to deal with. Not, not uh, Nothing against y'all. I mean, I love y'all. But I'm talking about in general. Because 
everybody wants other people to see things their way. Well, I thought he was a Christian. Well, just because he's a Christian doesn't mean he thinks like you. Just because he's a Christian doesn't mean he agrees with you. We're human. We think differently. We live differently. But we're saved by the same God, bathed in the same blood. And we should have the same love for each other. We should have the same compassion on each other. You want me to to tell one? Oh, God, help me. Y'all make me deaf. I'm walking the plank tonight, okay? If this is the end, I'm going to end with a splash, okay? I have seen parents or people. I have I have heard them. Well, I just don't know why pastor don't go ahead and deal with that. Now, now, I think he should handle it like this. Well, your height ain't the pastor, number one. We all have our own opinions, and he can't handle one situation a hundred ways. Tell you why he doesn't jump at the first beckon? It's because it could be that somewhere in the service, your lost child or your problem child or that situation, God can start moving in an altar and the Holy Ghost can step in and he don't have to say a word because God took care of the situation. You ought to look at it as if that is my problem or my child. How would I want him to handle that? I would want him to be merciful. I would want him to be prayerful. And I would want God to deal with the situation. It's amazing how everybody knows how to handle it until it's their child or their problem. But then they don't want you doing what they said to do to somebody else. What are you being? Never mind. God help me. When I feel like I don't don't even know where I'm going, I'm just walking in. But the Bible says where there is no wood, the fire ceaseth. It goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. Some of our problems are not devil problems. They're people problems. Because they're being a tailbearer. They're being somebody that just keeps, every time the fire sticks and go out, they just go take a match. And they keep, I had a friend one time who they went through a very difficult situation. Very difficult. It tried their marriage, tried their, tried their life, but they came through it. Well, every time his wife, time would go by and through prayer, and she would be to the point where she no longer even thought about it. And she was growing in God. There was this one lady, one lady, one of these people that had more visions than, than John and Paul put together. One of, those, one of those people that she might as well be preaching. But anyhow, just when she was getting over the hump, this person came by and she would stir it all up again and rip that old scab off. But she would do it in a, in a spiritual way. She says, I pray, I know it's painful. I know I've been praying for you. Well, I shouldn't say she hadn't been praying. I'm not going to say that. But what she was doing was she was making things worse instead of making things better. That that lady was moving on. That lady, what should have been just a, a, a maybe a few months process turned into several years. 
every time she would turn the corner, this person would come back by and rip that wound off and rip that scab off. You know what? That was a busybody. She had no business even going and messing with that person. If she, it's, if you want to pray for somebody, just pray for them. You ain't got to go hold a sign up saying, I prayed for you. Just pray for it. God heard it. But if we don't have out public recognition, we don't think we do any good in the spirit world. If we're not going to get recognized for it, you know, we have a hard time when other people get recognized and we don't. We think, well, what have I been doing this whole time? You realize the Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Because it's not between you and man, it's between you and God. And if they parade a hundred people up here and they give them all a medal and an award and you don't get nothing, you will get a reward because it's going to be on the other side. It's not about being seen on earth. It's about being recognized in heaven. The Bible says there's a path which no foul knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. The vulture only looks for what's wrong. He never looks for what's right. The vulture's eyes are trained to focus on the negative. He never sees the beauty of a sunrise. He never sees the beauty of a snow-capped mountain. He has no regard for the beauty of nature or the beauty of his existence. His eyes are only trained on what's wrong. There's a path which no foul knoweth and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. You know, there's a lot of people, their eyes are only trained on what everything is wrong in life and what everybody else is doing wrong. But David said this, One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why, David? To behold the beauty of the Lord. Honey, in the midst of everything in this world, I can still focus my eyes on the only thing that's right, and that's Jesus Christ. Stand with me all over the building. I've got so much. I'm trying to bring this to a close. Only the faithful will reign with the Father. The Bible says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. It's not enough to be called. It's not enough to be chosen. You've got to be faithful. So we have to ask ourselves, what does faithful mean? Proverbs 11 and 13, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So watch this. When that situation comes to your ears or to your mind, and you know this about somebody or you know that about somebody, a talebearer says, you know what? I'll spread this like poison in the body of Christ. But he that is of a faithful spirit, this is what he does. I'm not going to let this go any farther because it will hurt the body of Christ. It will contaminate people's minds. 
It'll mess with their emotions. And I want to be faithful. So I'm going to bury this in prayer. I'm going to bury this in my heart. I'm going to pray for this situation and for these people because I want to be faithful. I'm looking at people tonight. You're building towards a heavenly kingdom. You're building on a rock that's immovable. You're building every day something that God can look at and say, this is beautiful. You're sowing seeds of goodness. You're sowing seeds of prosperity. You're sowing seeds of encouragement. But this third dimension is what am I being? What am I being in the kingdom of God? Am I being steadfast? Am I being faithful? Am I being immovable? And the beauty of it is, if I'm not, I can judge myself through this book. And I can find mercy and grace at an altar. I don't have to judge you. Pastor doesn't have to judge you. Work out your own salvation. How do I work it out? I go to the book and I say, God, show me where I'm not lining up. And I'll get right with you. I wonder tonight if you want to step out of your pew. I feel such a depth of God's spirit in this place. Maybe God showed you some areas in your life that you need to examine. Maybe God's dealt with you about some things that you need to line up with this precious book. Why don't you come and lift your hands to heaven tonight and ask that God would help you be better than you were before. Oh, God, thank you for talking to us. Thank you for ministering in this place. Come on, ma'am, and sir. I just want to please.